Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight, we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content, and help you answer the question: Why is Taylor Swift directing a feature film getting such backlash? Same as always, sexism. I'm your host, Ashley. Hopefully, joining me today, Dylan Blight. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. Like, I saw this. I only saw the story in the last 48 hours. I, mean, I don't know if that's when it's happened or I only just caught up. But from the I don't, time of recording, yeah. Yeah, from the time of recording. I don't understand. Like, is there an actual... Like, what's the I main mean, There's a lot of, oh, she's just trying to get an Oscar. And a lot of, uh, you know, why, why are they making a deal with her when she could just make it herself? And why is she getting this opportunity as a massive star or whatever? I don't know. It just seems like a lot of jealousy and, you know, dude bros. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Then there's a lot of jokes about what she could be directing. You know, minions. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. Rise of Grew 2. If you don't know, she's got to deal with Searchlight Pictures to yeah. write and direct a film, so. Uh, and obviously, she. I think the other thing that kind of pushed it over, she's in that Directors on Directors variety uh, video series. Like with a bunch of other feature directors. She? Yeah. Oh. She's talking to Martin McDonough, which seems like a weird combination, but you know. That's, that's cool. I don't know, like experience versus you. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Alright, on today's episode we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, going over some film news, film and TV news, giving some thumbs to trailers and talk about this week's top three. Uh starting things off, uh, over on a very explosion network Christmas. We've did a spoiler cast for Violent Night, the new uh, David Harbour film in which he plays Santa Claus, and it's just straight up Die Hard, but with Santa Claus. You know, that that's all you need to know. Uh, it's a great time. You should go check it out. It's very violent, very funny. Uh, a lot of, there's some heart in there as well, but David Harbour, can, you know, shines. Uh, John Leguizamo plays the Hans Gruber-esque role. Uh, and, you know, he's having a ball on screen. Uh, the little girl's very adorable. Uh, and yeah, they use some, find some creative ways to, you know, take out some of these bad dudes. Uh, yeah. so yeah. Tell them what you think of Violent Night. Yeah, I mean, it's very good. It's, uh, if you look, if you're like me and like a good mix of, you know, your classic sort of children's family aged Christmas movies and some more, you know, adult orientated stuff as well to mix things up throughout the holiday season uh, i reckon this one will be added to the rotation for a lot of people um throughout the next couple of years and i can see it getting a sequel um if it's doing well enough at the box office i think to warrant a sequel so yeah i've seen a lot of people caught making requests for different mrs clauses <laughs> yeah so that's a good time go check it out in cinemas and then of course go over to a very explosion hour christmas uh dylan you've got a review up for a, another christmas movie Bloody Christmas. No, Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Christmas, Bloody Christmas. Uh, yeah, so this is another... This is a bit more of a violent Christmas movie. Um, this one is on Shudder. Uh, I'm just getting it up so I can remember the actress's name because she's the main person on color. But, um... So it's from... Well, it's from director Joe Begos, or Begos, I'm not trying to change it. Which I've seen, like, he's got a movie called Bliss and VFW, which is the main two I know. I've seen people in, like, horror crowds call out that I've never actually got around to watching. Um, but... Apparently he wanted to remake Black Christmas and then the studio didn't like or his script or something. Anyway, it fell through. So then he's like, oh, fuck it. I'll just do my own Christmas movie. 
and this is the result. Um, I really liked it. I feel like it's not going to be for everyone solely because, not because of the horror part, but because it's actually, um, like in my review, I even like weirdly call out Kevin Smith, <laughs> which you wouldn't expect for this, but like the first half an hour or so of the movie is just these two characters talking and the dialogue reminded me of like Kevin Smith dialogue, but for like horror movies uh, and like heavy metal music. So you've got the main character, Tori, um, and her, someone she works with, Robbie, they're like just locking up at the record store on Christmas Eve for the night. And then like the, yeah, literally the first half hour of the movie is just them walking around talking about, you know, like all these references to horror movies and Christmas horror movies and whatever else. And you really get to know these characters, which I really liked. However, if you're going into this, just wanting to get straight into the, the killing and whatever else, um, that part may turn you off. However, once the killing does start, it is literally, Hey, there's a Santa Claus. Apparently they like turn some army chip into like that. They weren't using AI chip. And they put it in these Santas to make AI Santas and they thought it was going to be a good toy, but they're recalling them all because they've been like malfunctioning. And then there's one malfunctions on Christmas Eve and he just goes around killing people. Like that's as far as the, the story goes. But um, yeah, I, re- I really liked it. And I think um, Riley Dandy, who plays Tori, is absolutely fantastic. And um, she's been in a lot more sort of rom-com stuff and all these other sort of bit parts and stuff. But I think she definitely makes a case for like horror being her, her future because she's uh, a really, really good final girl. Um, in this really really good alright so I was lucky enough to go to an advanced screening of The Fablemans uh, Steven Spielberg's latest film Uh, I think it's coming out 5th of January off the top of my head here in Australia I looked it up the other day yeah Um, uh, but of course it's over already out elsewhere in the world because you know they hate Australians you know Uh, (laughs) uh, so it's Kind of an autobiographical film uh, of Steven Spielberg. Uh, you've got the character of Sam Spielberg? No, Sam Fableman. Uh, he's a young boy growing up uh, initially in New Jersey. His family eventually moves to Arizona. Uh, and it kind of de- uh, show, like follows his life as he's coming of age. It's a classic coming of age story, but it's about a kid who comes to love making movies uh, and how that helps him deal with uh, certain... Uh, with his family, um, his mother played by uh, Michelle Williams and his father played by Paul Dano, uh, both brilliant performances. Um, yeah, this is really, really enjoyable film. Like it's really well made. Lots of interesting shots. Um, just the the if you enjoy movies about making movies, this is this will you know do something for you. There's like. You know, he makes a bunch of different short movies as to earn merit badges for photography, because you know, film is less just like twenty-four photos per second. You know, so, um, but then yeah, you've also got his relationship with his parents, and like obviously anybody who knows Spielberg knows he comes from a family of divorce, and um, this kind of sh- showcases how you know he. We assume he dealt with it. There's like there's a lot of uh. A lot of moments throughout this that I was like, me and I went with Buddy, we were both like, oh, I wonder if this is actually what actually happened or not. There is uh, a female character that is absolutely wild in this movie uh, that, you know, I have to, I, I truly wonder if, you know, was somebody Steven Spielberg came across. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable and heartwarming and, you know, sad and just a whole gamut of emotions. Yeah, Spielberg, doing what Spielberg does, so... Um, yeah, Fableman's when it comes out 
<laughs> next year. Definitely worth checking out in cinemas. Uh, Dylan, you did a double feature of a new franchise, I guess you would call it. So you watched The Terrifier, and then you watched The Terrifier 2. Yep, so this... I never heard of Terrifier until this year, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that's the case for a lot of people, but yep. Terrifier 2 came out in cinemas. Um, you see all these news reports, people throwing up, people running out of cinema, you know, all this sort of stuff that makes it sound... To anything other than a horror movie, it would be like a big thumbs down, but to horror movie, it's like good press. <laughs> so, like, it's like... You see, like, people run out of cinema, like, all right, what's this? I gotta check this out. <laughs> like, what's happening with this one? Um... So I'd been waiting ages because, of course, it was, took forever to come out in Australia. It had been having a limited run, Terrify 2, in theatres, but not where I am. Um, yep. And then Umbrella stuck them both out digitally the other day, um, or last week, whenever it was. So I was like, fuck yeah. I mean, that's, as soon as that was happening, I'm like, that's I've got to make time some point this week. I've been wanting to watch this all year. Um, so, the, the I mean, it's pretty simple. I'll tell you what. Like, so... The plot of both movies is pretty simple. Uh, and the, the character is uh, it was called Art the Clown. Like that's the the clown on the posters and everything. Like the the bad guy. Um, it is a dude in a clown suit who just goes around killing people. And the first movie is very simple. It is like start of the movie. You see him putting all these fucking like knives and whatever else in a bag, and he just heads out for the night, Halloween night or whatever. And just starts killing motherfuckers. Like eventually, like traps all these people in a, a warehouse and just start fucking murdering him but the reason i think the character especially when you come through to the second one is liked by a lot of people and i think that will have success especially since the second movie had a budget of like two hundred fifty thousand and made i think 11 million dollars or some ridiculous amount um the is because art the performance of the dude who's playing art was i was looking it up was he used to be like a mime or whatever um so it really comes with, like it's a very playful character for a very fucked up character at the same time like this is a character who really enjoys hurting people and that's why the the kills are very brutal and everything however it's also a character who will like he'll i, I don't even have like he does clown things you know like smile like wave and you know it's a it's it's not it's just it's a character a hard character with personality which if you know like if you look at any really successful characters from horror franchises who do really really well it's usually the more colorful ones it's even if they are super fucked up like um like of course i love devil's rejects and stuff and they do (laughs) absolutely fucked up things but i still love them as characters because they're just so entertaining um i feel like this is entering the same thing and long story short i like both movies and i'm definitely down for a third one and i'm i'm all aboard the uh terrifier um (laughs) franchise bandwagon at my at this point like a lot of people are um the second one is has some really (laughs) fucked up (laughs) kills in it um not to the point, like, this is the thing I've, I've like, you see these lists happen where people are like, man, move, fucked up movies. There's a bunch of movies I won't watch because of specific things like uh, Serbian film and all these other, like, really weird, like, things that they do that I'm like, I'm not okay with, like, there's just certain things I, like, I draw the line at. But yeah. it's just, it's just brutal kills. Like, it's just nasty shit that he, he does, like, cuts people's arms off and fucking, like, scalps them. And, you know, like, it's, it's, but at the same time, it's just so... Cause, cause it's not, cause he's a clown and the tone of the movie is also not super serious. I feel like it sort of helps with the brutalness, uh, to a degree, like psychologically. So, um, and the second movie introduces this really cool female, um, like lead sort of heroine that's sort of built up to be the antithesis to art. Like he's, um, he's downfall. If, um, it definitely leaves it open for a third one as well, but, um, 
I really like both. I I I hope they do a third one. I assume they're doing a third one. Um, there's no way you don't with that return that the second one did at cinema. So, um, yeah, all aboard the hype train. All right. So I've been watching Willow, of course, the new series on Disney Plus, uh, starring Warwick Davis, set thirty something years after the, the. Well, I guess. So, I read an article. He's he's fifty two now. He was seventeen when he started. So what's that? Thirty something years later. <laughs> um, which I guess actually in in the world of Willow, it's probably only like eighteen years later. Um, you know, uh, so the queen's, uh, son has been abducted. Uh, so a band of, uh, a fellowship, so I would say of hero of young heroes must gather together, uh, to recover him. Uh, this includes, uh, the, the princess kit, uh, who was very much, uh, Arya Stark type, uh, of character. You've got, um, her, her, her betrothed, uh, you know, she's in a range, she's set to be married to this other guy, uh, played by, um, Tony Rivoli, who's very much a scholar and not like a warrior in any sort of way. Uh, you've got, uh, Jade, who's a knight in trading, uh, and also, you know, secret love interest for, for Kit. Uh, and then you've got, also got, uh, Thraxis, who's a prisoner, who knows, who was familiar with, uh, What's uh yeah, who knew Mad Mardigan? Um as well uh as a baker who has who fell in love with uh the prince who got stolen, uh who got kidnapped. Uh and they you know, they're qu- sent to Willow, uh, who will help them go reco- recover the young prince because there's some sort of prophecy. He's had he had a vision uh many years ago, um, and there's the whole prophecy around Alora, uh and you know you know, uh, she's kind of, she was, uh, secreted away at some point, uh, you know, hidden away, uh, under a different name, given to another family to be raised and stuff. Uh, so, you know, they got to find Alora. Yeah. Wait. So after the events of the movie. Yep. They hide the baby away. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm really enjoying it so far. Obviously the first episode is very much. Uh, setting up a lot of the new characters um, and Willow doesn't kind of pop up till the very end of the episode, but yeah. Uh, this is, it's interesting, I've read an article, I think, today where uh, Warwick Davis said he was very much influenced by Mark Hamill's performance in The Last Jedi, and there is definitely an element of that kind of arc going on here where he is someone who is, it, it's not the, you know, the Willow that we know from the first film. It's very one, someone who's lived a full life and has had many experiences, many ups and downs, um, it's pretty evident, like, at, when they visit his home in, you know, the, the little people village, uh, it's only his daughter who's there, uh, with him, you know? So, you can take from that what you will, uh, if you obviously watch the first film, but, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far, there's some fun action, there's some fun magic, there's some fun jokes and that kind of stuff, it's very, got that fun high fantasy kind of vibe to it, so... I'm enjoying it so far, especially enjoying it as someone who doesn't have a very much fondness for Willow. Um, I find I'm finding it quite entertaining so far. Uh, it's three episodes in. I want to say there's like six, eight episodes. Oh. So, you know, eight episodes. Um, 
but yeah, I'm enjoying it. You should all check it out. It does it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, there's a song that one of the episodes ends on that's very amusing. So, and it caused a little bit of a backlash because people are upset that it was used. Because, you know, modern music and fantasy, you know, people get upset about that stuff. But yeah, check out Willow. Uh, Dylan, you finally got around to check out Orphan First Kill. I did the uh, sequel prequel to Orphan. Sequel prequel. Uh, that I was looking forward to watching. I finally watched it. it. Came out in VOD, so I rented that as well this week in my horror. I love watching horror movies in Christmas month. It's the best, you know, best time. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's horror's good for any month to be fair. Um, so I really like this. I feel like it. The movie spends the first forty-five minutes or so sort of going hey you've seen this movie before and it's it's like it's okay but you're like yeah you, you definitely can't pull off the same magic trick that you did with the first film and they do something that i really wasn't expecting and i think it made a really good really, obviously i can't say for spoiler reasons um and i kind of don't even want to spoil the first movie but you can't watch this without watching the first one because it spoils the this movie spoils the original the, the, the big thing. twist of the first one yeah this movie spoils the big twist from the outset which so i would suggest if you haven't watched any of them Watch Orphan, then watch Orphan First Kill. But this does manage to get a twist in it that I didn't see coming and I felt was it did make it really good as well. Um, it's not, this isn't the sort of movie where you're like, there's no reason for this movie to exist. You didn't need a prequel to Orphan at all. Orphan was a uh, a good movie by itself. Um, sort of an underrated one, I think. But the uh, it manages to justify its existence by adding a little bit of lore to the character. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, so I've also been checking out the new season of Slow Horses, of course, this is the new series starring um, Gary Oldman uh, as a, you know, the head of the Slow House, which is like the part of MI6 where people get sent to when they're shit at their jobs or like being punished or whatever. Um, and this season starts off with uh, a former, a much former agent, like from the, you know, the Cold War. Uh, a former agent being killed like on a bus uh, and uh, Gary Oldman's character kind of looking into it and wondering if it's uh, something more uh, and they bring up uh, the idea of cicadas who are secret uh, Russian sleeper agents uh, so the team at Slow House are kind of looking into this uh, while also the part of the team has been uh, requested to work on another surveillance project you know uh, that they're kind of bumbling their way through uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Slow House is really solid uh, espionage series uh, in the in the vibe of like a Spooks or any of those other British kind of spy shows. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Gary Oldman is you know as gruff and gives no shits as he wants. He, I think you know. I don't know if you requested it, but there's a lot of Gary Oldman eating on camera in this season, <laughs> which you know just from a continuity factor is like pretty impressive it's like just eating constantly <laughs> i like how that's something you've noticed um is this the so the first season came out this year right or was it it did it came out yeah what like uh, april year. fucking hell so yeah um and they apparently filmed i remember didn't i write that thing up i can't remember i remember writing the story but i can't remember didn't they film season two and three back to back wasn't that the thing? i think they filmed one and two back to one back. and two back to back and then maybe they were doing three and four Either way, yeah, you're going to have the, slow, yeah, you're slow, horses, confirmed, so. yeah, slow horses content for coming up fast. It's coming up fast, you know? I mean, 
Gary Oldman's kind of said that, you know, he might retire soon, so gonna pump him out while he still wants to work. He loves his book, apparently. Loves the series, yeah. Books, so. Yeah, loves the series. So I'm finding it really enjoyable. Uh all right. Let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Dylan, you started watching Wednesday. Uh yeah, so I'm I'm six out of eight Wednesdays deep. That's the sentence. Um it's really good. Obviously, it's it's it is literally either however you want to describe it. I've seen I've seen versions of it's Harry Potter crossed with Tim Burton. Like I know it's like it's a darker that it's a. I've seen people be like, oh, it's um Riverdale, but you know just the fancy stuff. Like however you want to do it. Like it's very much it is Wednesday. Adams start the season, get sent to a different school. This school is where a bunch of like supernatural beings or whatever you want to call it. Like there's vampires here, there's werewolves, all sorts. Like it's it's a weird school, right? She fits in perfectly there. She discovers that there's a beast going around. At first, she wants to leave at this for the first episode. She's like, I'm going to escape from this place when the rest of the Adams family drops her off. Um, and then by the end of the first episode, I think is when it's like this beast going around killing people. So then she sort of takes it upon herself. She has big intrigue into this to try and discover who this person is, who this beast is that's killing everyone. So that's sort of the, the plot of the season while she's of course dealing with normal, you know, the bitchy girls in class and teen, yeah, all this teen stuff that she's going through romance potentially and whatever else. Um, General Ortega, Ortega is, fantastic i mean that's sort of a generic statement she's good in everything she's in i think um but she's really really good as wednesday adam she just perfect sort of just deadpan delivery of so many of the lines and uh everything else but the rest of cast is fantastic as well it's funny because her when she moves into the (laughs) her roommate when she gets like gets taken to a dorm or whatever like her roommates this like complete opposite you know rainbow rainbows unicorns all this sort of stuff she has like this giant um mural on the wall that's like all, all the colors of the rainbow and then like halfway through the episode i think um this girl comes back to her room and discovers that wednesday's like stripped it in half so half her side of the room's now black another half <laughs> it's just like still the rainbow colored stuff um so there's like lots of little funny things um whenever the adams family's in it so far they've been it's like episode one and four or five i think it's like when they they show up they're really really fi- uh, fantastic as well um Catherine zeta jones gets the most time um sort of on screen as the um you get to see these mother daughter conversations i'm sure everyone's seen dance clip from fucking episode four as well um that's everywhere uh but yeah i'm really enjoying it keen to finish off those last couple of episodes uh and i'm sure we'll be getting more because it is doing gangbusters for netflix yeah i think what it's the highest new series or just series in general so far this year i'm not sure yeah i think it shot past stranger things yeah yeah so uh Yes, I'm sure they're going to want a bunch more of that. Uh, I only checked out the first episode, but uh, I you know, liked what it was, you know? It doesn't exactly scream Tim Burton, I would say. It was the only thing. Yeah, well, I mean, Tim Burtonness has kind of plateau- plateaued over the last yeah. decade or two. He doesn't have the style that he did in his some of his earlier work. Um, but yeah, it is enjoyable. Jenna Ortega is very, very good with a very deadpan delivery um and just uh taking things way too uh literally i think is the thing uh it does open with you know her almost murdering a, a guy with yeah. piranhas which everybody saw in the trailer but 
yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be interested to check out what everybody else is going on about. So, uh, yeah. Wednesday. Uh, so we've both also watched Gilmoro Del Toro's Pinocchio. So this is his, uh, stop motion animated film directed by him. Uh, it's a, his kind of retelling of the story of Pinocchio. Of course, uh, Geppetto makes a puppet, uh, and the blue fairy comes along and puts life into it. Uh, definitely more, uh, obviously much darker than the Disney version. (laughs) Um, just a it this is like a, probably the most Gilmore and del Toro film you could possibly imagine it's like this perfect like amalgamation of like something like a i can imagine kubo and two, the two strings but it's probably because that had a lot of bugs and stuff in it um and lots of like wood and stuff um just a really interesting story about it's such it's interesting that it's so set in the real world like it's, it's set clearly in 1930s i want to say italy uh because mm. you know mussolini appears as a character in the film uh, briefly um and they're talking about war and all this kind of stuff but then it's got all these fantastical elements to it as well uh the animation across the board is just beautiful i don't think there's a single frame that looks terrible in this um yeah i i'm so glad that you know this was made and was something uh that we can watch but yeah dylan what do you think uh, but first, I was just gonna say, just because I feel like it's, <laughs> we've run into a Jordan Peele's Candyman scenario. This Gilmero's Pinocchio, co-directed by Mark Gustafsson. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, because like uh, he's a um, animator dude, but mm. like, so I assume yeah, it was like he was helping a lot. He, Much in the co-director, way that, you know, it's a uh, Henry Selick directed. Tim Burton's, uh, Tim Burton's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, Tim Burton didn't direct that at all. Whereas this is yeah, Gilmero. There was a co-directed more, affair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just I, I assume it's a co-directing affair because Gilmero hasn't worked with stop motion before, so yes. he's co-directing with someone who can help him through. Interesting. That they've also got like the the behind the scenes video out as well. Apparently yeah, I watched it's some like of it. Three different teams working on the film. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. It's just quite funny to see he has these massive Pinocchios too, and then these like yeah. such tiny ones, such interesting like filmmaking technique. Um, no, I really, really enjoyed it. I feel like it's the thing is I don't I wouldn't call the film dark. It's just not it's not Disney, and that's the whole point. Like yeah. Disney is it takes away the, the worries sure, and probably yeah, it takes away all the the real lifeness of something. It takes away the life, death, and all these sorts of things. Whereas this is just a yeah more mature. It's not, it's not like unnecessarily dark or. It's not trying to be um, like a gothic version of Pinocchio or anything, anything crazy like that. It's simply a Pinocchio film that de- like deals heavily with the uh, the love and loss of the story a lot more maturely than you will see Disney do in such a film. Like I feel like the movie nailed the the reason this movie is so good is I think for those last couple minutes. I feel like that in the in the last couple minutes it really sort of sells the um, nails nails in the coffin for. The, the themes that this movie's sort of trying to play with about, um, yeah, just life and loss and, you know, all these other sorts of things that the movie mostly plays around with. So, um, sad ending, but it's, it works. Sad opening but, as well. You know. Sad opening as well, yeah. Like, it's up there with, like, the other, you know, Pixar-level mm. sadness. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously beautifully animated, and I love stop motion as a... Just as a technique, it just it just brings something like you can't you just can't fake it. Like you just there's something magical about it when it's done like this. 
painstaking. Even like the stop motion of the of them putting the stop motion into place looks super yeah. impressive. Like, yeah, um, yeah, really good. Uh, <laughs> really interesting voice cast. Like it's uh, Ewan McGregor as uh, Sebastian. Jay Cricket, I want to say off the top of my head. Jiminy Cricket for those playing at home. <laughs> I guess yeah, it's, the, it's the cricket. Because you've got cricket. David Bradley as Geppetto. <laughs> yeah. Works so well, I thought. I really, really liked him as Geppetto. Uh, uh, yeah. And do you know who's Spatula? Spatula is voice by? I don't even know who that guy The monkey? Is. No. It's Kate Blanchett. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Yeah. I sh- I saw her in the cast, I assume she was like one of the Blue Fairy things or whatever. No, the Blue Fairy is Tilda Swinton. She plays both. Both? Of them. Okay. Yeah. Fucking hell. No. You know, Tilda Swinton, once again, playing multiple roles and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <She> can't, <laughs> yeah. Can't do just one thing, you know. That's a very uh, funny recurring joke, by the way. The, I don't want to spoil it for you watching the, the, like, Pinocchio in the place where there's the second one of that character. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's very funny. A very, it, yeah, that, that might be one of the hot like most interesting elements of the story that's been added you know yeah because it's him becoming a real boy is mm. something that's not just given to him it's something that he chooses Jesus. yeah over some over another option you know yeah so yeah i think pretty fantastic check out pinocchio on netflix wish i could have watched it on the cinema though fuck yeah He's still got knives out. To see in a cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. At least I got to watch knives out in the cinema. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Out of the Netflix movie, out of this one. Yeah. You gotta take what you can get. Alright. Uh let's everything that it's in our watch studio, let's move into some film news. And man, the internet Twitter is just blown up around uh James Gunn, Peter Safran, uh, and their plans for the DCEU or DC universe uh so over on the hollywood reporter uh december 7th story broke uh call it dc rebirth or tc genesis maybe it's identity crisis or flashpoint these titles of past dc comics events aptly describe the state of dc warner brothers dc movies which are on the cusp of a new era but not potentially before a not before a potentially messy transition period a cleaning of the slate is common when a new executive team is put in place to run a studio or division but there is likely little precedence for the amount of Clorox James Gunn and Peter Safran could spray on there as they prepare to launch DC Studios and the guide superhero movies for the next decade and a half. Uh, the duo recent days flew back to LA from Snowy Aspen. Uh, multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter that Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 is not moving forward and is considered dead in his current iteration. Uh, so say Jenkins recently sub- submitted her treatment, co-written with Jeff Johns, and that Gunn and Safran, as well as Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs and co-CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi, uh, broke the news to the filmmaker, telling her the project, as it stood, did not fit with the current, with the new plans. Uh, Jenkins co-wrote uh, and directed the previous two movies, starring Gal Gadot, releasing in 2017 and 2020. No decision has been made. Um, there are also a report there's no plans for a future... Aquaman film after the current one there's currently no plans for a Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill uh, yeah it seems like they're about to blow up everything <laughs> uh, 
Of course, James Gunn came in the days later saying that some of this is true, some of this is not true, and a lot of this is stuff that they haven't even decided on yet. Uh, but it seems like the Wonder Woman 3 rumour is the strongest one. It's definitely something that has been shut down. Uh, but Dylan, what do you think of, of everything, all this DC stuff? Um, I think it's totally fine. I don't really have a problem with it. I feel like that. I feel like people want their, I don't know, what's the saying, cake and eat it too, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's people want DC to be fixed. They were happy that James Gunn's coming in, but now as he is clearing the slate, making way for you know like a ground zero reset, so we he can actually get the DCU started, which is what everyone wants. Everyone complains that there's no connectivity between the DC films, and that's what people want. Um, they want their Marvel DC equivalent. The second he starts clearing path and making way so they can do that, everyone starts complaining. I just... Yeah. I want Man of Steel too. I like Man of Steel. I want... I don't really care about one of them. I mean, the first one was good, the second one was trash, but like, I, I don't... In what world where you want a DC universe connected universe with with one cohesive vision do you do you really think that all these films can just magically continue working like patty jenkins obviously she's writing the movie that she wrote and then turns it in and then james gunn's got this they're planning out their vision for the the dcu and it's like well your film doesn't fit the vision like i know it sucks but like yeah i just don't i don't understand why everyone's complaining i i I don't get it everyone's like we want this but we don't want this we want this but we want it to work in our very strict conditions where everything stays the same but magically gets better at the same time and nothing Mm. like yeah i I don't know it's just dumb i can understand where some fans like it's anytime anything gets cancelled it's like why can't they just let it finish why couldn't they let them Tell this final story, or whatever. It's like this is not the it's same. It's a as pretty Batgirl, expensive. It, it's a fucking script. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, Batgirl's completely different. Like, I see people bring this up. Like, oh, Batgirl, Wonder Woman. Like, Wonder Woman's a script. Version one script. They've been started pre-production. It's a fucking script. Like, it's not Batgirl movie finished halfway through post. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, but I'm like talking about more like TV shows and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, anything Netflix cancels. Uh, any of the 27 shows they cancelled this week. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's weird that they're they're just going to go Kolhoff and throw everything out, Uh, especially with Henry Cavill. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, obviously walking away from The Witcher, we all assumed it was to make a Superman movie, Uh, but that may may or may not be on the cards again. Uh, I saw James Gunn responding to somebody else, like saying that he doesn't like Henry Cavill. Uh, which he disputed. Um, it's very interesting seeing someone at the head of a studio be very active on social media. I like uh, it. I like. I love how James Gunn. He he doesn't he doesn't say anything he can't say, but he'll just shoot down shit that's bullshit. Like if someone writes a story, and he's always done this. From yeah, like like anything around Guardians, any any story anything like that. Like, someone someone writes a bullshit story that's like Guardians Galaxy will be about this blah 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 blah. He'll just quote reply and be like, "This show is bullshit." Like, he doesn't yeah. need to say it's bullshit because here's what's happened. He just goes, it's bullshit. Like, not true. Yeah. Yeah, not true. Fake story. Fake news. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the the any, only things that are safe at the moment are <laughs> Matt Reeves' Batman and obviously the Todd Phillips' Joker movie. Um, but everything else seems to be fair game to be scrapped outside of, I guess, the, they're going to release The Flash and they're probably going, obviously, Aquaman's going to come out, so... Um, it sounds like even Black Adam isn't a sure thing to get a sequel. 
um, no, that's with rumours about how well that's done, performed financially. Um, yeah. It's the catalyst of change in the DC universe. Yeah, the catalyst of end. <laughs> change by end. Ending it all. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels sad. Like, you always want like people to have, you know, their nice final performance. Uh, so, to imagine Gal Gadot not getting one more go around at Wonder Woman feels so weird. Bring but, it back to yeah. Fast and Furious. Sure. She landed on a trampoline, <laughs> trampoline. Why was it there? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really weird. She had amnesia this whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. What are the odds of two people in the same group get both getting Nobody amnesia? was standing in the corner. Ready. Would be inflatable safety thing he threw out at the very last second. She just landed on a bed of pillows. It was really weird. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody noticed while they went all the way down the other end of the runway. That's right. <laughs> all right um i mean there's yeah there's a bunch of other stories like apparently you know there's rumors that jason Momoa was being eyed to play lobo mm-hmm. which you know from a physique perspective makes a lot of sense because you you know you just need to put like one of those white filters over the top of his you know he's good to go i love him um, as lobo. then the other one that's made fans angry <laughs> Uh, is apparently Christina Hodson, the writer of uh, The Flash and Birds of Prey, was working on a Batman Beyond film uh, as a spin-off from The Flash, which would have starred uh, Michael Keaton uh, and potentially brought back uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. But, you know, it's all hypothetical theories. Fans are angry because some website said a thing may be a thing and a thing may not have even been a thing. It may have just been an idea that's kicking around, but it was never greenlit. But fans are angry. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Mike Flanagan is uh, obviously signed a new deal with Optus. Uh, I'm with Prime Video and Amazon, I guess. Did you say Optus? Uh, what? But did you get to say Optus? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, Mike Flanagan signed a deal with Optus. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to give everybody's data away. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, of course, Mark Flanagan uh, has been working on a bunch of different uh, Stephen King projects. Um, the Haunting, like... Haunting of Blind Manor. Haunting of Blind Manor. Was oh, actually, no, that wasn't Stephen King. You mean, like, his actual Stephen King pop stuff was yeah. um, was um, Doctor Sleep and Joel's Game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now he's set to tackle the most ambitious project to date, a screen adaptation of Stephen King's The Dark Tower where creator Flanagan envisions as a TV series to run for five seasons, followed by two standalone features. Uh, in an interview with Deadline, Flanagan and his uh, partner Trevor Macy, uh, known for their extensive film and TV work in the horror genre, break the news that they have acquired their rights to the Mammoth book series, which draws from multiple genres, including dark fantasy, science, f- science fantasy, horror, and western. Flanagan reveals that he's written a pilot script and season outlines for The Dark Tower, which he has described for years as his dream project. He's even shared in interviews his vision for the opening shot, a black screen with the words, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed, uh, leading towards the landscape with a silhouette in the distance. 
Uh, attempts by multiple studios to bring the Dark Tower to the screen as a film TV adaptation of the past decade and a half have resulted in the 2017 Sony MRC Imagine movie starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, followed by a Amazon MRC pilot written by Glenn Mazzara, which didn't go forward. Uh, finally, get a Macy who carved the, right, the rights to the Dark Tower out of their Netflix and Amazon Studios overall deals are taking on the firm's property, having it previously done to feature adaptation of king's works uh dylan what do you think of uh mark flanagan tackling the dark tower i absolutely love it this is some of the best news that's coming up in the last couple of weeks absolutely obviously mark flanagan is gold and just about everything he touches and i'm at the point where with him where i would i'm just excited for anything he does but mike flanagan doing the dark tower i feel like is the is a perfect fit I assume that Nicholas Pryor should be happy with this news. I haven't actually asked him, but um, so I'd <laughs> assume so. You know, I'd assume he's a he's a Mike Flanagan. He like yeah, he likes he liked Doctor Sleep, right? Yeah, he liked Doctor Sleep. He likes all the the, all the Flanagan stuff. So, um, real really cool. The only the only thing that's annoying about this is like when they signed the Prime deal, I was like, oh yeah, cool. And then um, Netflix is like, yeah, we're gonna cancel your show. <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm like. Technically, it wasn't his show, right? He was just directing and... No, he was the showrunner or whatever. The okay. executive producer, so... Yeah. But so, yeah, did, that, that uh, he did weird... tweet out the entire rest of the plot for that show. So. Yeah, he was like, here's season two. Yeah, season yeah, two. So you can get some sort of closure. Yeah. Well, I read all that. It was a massive, like, Tumblr post. And... Uh, for the Midnight Club, by the way. Anyway, yeah, the Midnight Club, but... obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read that entire post and it's, it was cool. Just to see someone just be like, here's what we're going to do. Show won't happen now. So we're going to do this. And then there would have been an episode where we did this. And we would have introduced these characters in season three, blah, 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 blah. And it would have ended with this. And the twist for the whole show was this, blah, 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 blah. So those people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As someone who's got no attachment to the Dark Tower, other than, you know, I, I bought the books at some point, never mm. read them. Uh, That's me. Also Never, you also I read the first one. No, I've read the first one. Sorry. I read, I read the like first the first couple of chapters. <laughs> yeah. I read the, I've read the I've read one Dark Tower. Yeah. Um this is cool. Finally we can get a proper adaptation because the Idris Elba film like is set like three or four books in, right? Something whereas, weird like that, yeah. Yeah, whereas the Mark Flanagan film uh, series will probably from start, start from the yeah. beginning, you would assume. Um Yeah. So I'm sure this will make fans happy because obviously that Idris Silver film did not did not do anything for fans at all. So no. and my, and any Stephen King fans have faith in Flanagan. I feel so. Like he's proven himself. I mean, he's probably been the most successful at adapting Stephen King works recently, yeah. and there's been a lot. Yeah. So yeah, very exciting. Over on Prime Video, sometime in the future, Dylan. Do you know they're just about to announce the nominees for this year's 80th Golden Globe Awards? <laughs> no, I did not. No, so they are making a push to relevance again. Uh, they announced the host for the 80th Annual Golden Globe Awards, Jared Carmichael, uh, of course, who earlier this year won an Emmy for his uh, comedy special, Rathaniel, uh, also earned an Emmy nomination for hosting Saturday Night Live. Uh interesting choice i mean it's a little on the nose to have a uh association that's had trouble with diversity hire a black gay man to 
front the award ceremony. Um, but yeah, obviously NBC signed a new deal with the Hollywood Foreign Press um, to air the uh, Golden Globes this year. Um, of course, it's still going to be a reasonably big deal. They claim that there's been a lot of uh, excitement for their awards, of course, um, but there is still a lot, you know a lot of bad blood around uh, how the Hollywood Foreign Press has been in the past, whether it's uh, them accepting uh, gifts for votes and, uh, you know, the lack of diversity for several years. Um, of course, Brendan Fraser kind of banking the news because he had, uh, he was allegedly, well, he was groped by a former, uh, president of the Hollywood foreign press, Hollywood foreign press, um, and it said he's not going to the ceremony. So, uh, Dylan, do, will people care about the Golden Globes or will they just be like, oh, they, that's interesting who won. No. I think people will care because, you know, I think I think they'll end up getting a lot of celebrities going because it it's just going to end up being another one of these big... Um, it's going to be one of those big shows that they need to kind of show up to to push their claims for the award season. And if celebrities end up going, then it's going to add a certain amount of... Uh, okayness i guess or like they'll be like oh, i guess this is still a thing i don't think it's gonna i don't think people are gonna watch i think it's much like any of the award ceremonies that are going on at the moment everybody's gonna just go uh some whatever news site you follow will be tweeting the results on twitter you'll look at it and you go oh yeah that person should have won <laughs> you know so golden globes they're still a thing <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's hard to end something that's like 80 years old, I guess. You know. Just end it at 80. Let them have this last hurrah, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to see how Jerry Carmichael kind of tackles it. Because so. uh, he seems like someone who uh, won't be held back <laughs> to a certain degree. So, yeah. Uh, that's all the film news for this week. Uh, let's give some thumbs to some trailers. Uh, of course, you can find all the trailers we're going to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, first trailer for this week is Paul T. Goldman, uh, created by Jason Walliner, uh, starring Paul T. Goldman. Paul T. Goldman is a mind-bending series from the director of subse- Borat's subsequent movie film and the producers of The Disaster Artist. It's a project that director Jason Walliner has been shooting for over a decade and a story that continues to pile on jaw-dropping new twists in the style of Walliner's work on uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, the series is a brown, groundbreaking project that mixes fact and fiction to tell a bizarre and incredible tale. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Paul T. Goldman? I have no idea what the go is with this. I was so <laughs> tempted to Google, but I can't... Again, I'm doing that thing where I'm trying to restrain myself for the just so I can experience it live in this. Um, but yeah, this is a very weird and wild trailer. I'm giving it double thumbs up. I, I have no idea what I'm in for. This doesn't look like anything else. So that's, that's the whole thing. Like just the fact you're watching the whole trailer, like, okay, what's this? And then they're like, it's a guy playing himself, telling his own story. And it cuts up people. I, I, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, double thumbs up. I have no idea what it is though. I don't know how I explain what I watched. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, because it, it's definitely a, uh, it's, it's, it's clearly someone who was in the process of getting swindled, 
uh, with like someone with multiple identities and like uh, trying to like steal from him, I guess. Uh, but then he's gone on to write a book and is now wanting to make wrote a script about his experience in which he wants to star in, and this that is what this series is. Uh, so you got him recreating events uh, that happened to him. And apparently you've also got people who were there in the actual events watching the other actors act out the events of the things that happened. Uh, and then you've got Dennis Haber in this. And, you know, Paul Paul's just getting a selfie with him, you know, between takes. It's really weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd give it two thumbs up. I think it's weird wackiness uh, that I'm on board for. Uh, so this is coming to Peacock on the first, was it 25th? No, 1st of January. Uh, but there's no current Australian release date. But generally, these Peacock series do end up on uh, stand. So we'll see. Next trailer, When You Finish Saving the World, uh, directed by Jesse Eisenberg, starring Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard. Uh, a mother and a teenage son can't seem to connect, yet they try to find that bond in other people. She latches onto a young boy she meets at her women's shelter, while her son is fa- falls in love with an extremely political student at his school. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for when you finish saving the world? Uh, it looks fantastic. It looks really, really good. I like the thought, yeah, this, like the central central piece of the, the movie of like these two people sort of falling apart and um, replacing other people. Um, very evident in the trailer. Uh, looks like two potentially best of or like like really good performances julian moore and um finn wolford wolfhard wolfhard however you say his name um hopefully i can watch it before 2023 comes to a close double thumbs up uh yeah this looks really good obviously an a24 film so you know we're going to be a little bit biased because you know they tend to have a pretty good track record but um yeah just a connect just Everybody in this looks like they're doing really good work. Just an interesting, you know, story. And obviously there's this element of Finn Wolfhard's characters, like, uh, streaming himself, playing music and that kind of stuff and not wanting to play for his mother. And, it's, you know, it's going to be a nice mother-son movie uh, about, you know, them learning about each other and stuff. So, yeah. I'm very keen. This is two thumbs up from me. No Australian release date, uh, but it is releasing in America on January 20th. Next trailer, Champions, directed by Bobby Farrelly, uh, starring Woody Harrelson, Caitlin Olsen, Cheech Marin, Matt Cook, and Ernie Hudson. A former minor league basketball coach receives a court order to guide a team of players with intellectual disabilities. Despite his doubts, he soon realizes that together they can go further than he ever imagined. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Champions? This looks like so many movies we've watched before, but I'm going to say double thumbs up. I'm just a sucker for certain sort of storylines, I guess, sometimes. And I've watched so many basketball movies where a coach or a sports movies move to it. But you know what? Fuck it. Woody Harrelson looks fun. There's that whole joke there at one part where that girl gets dropped off and, like, walks across the road. And it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> Which, I don't know, made me laugh for some reason. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it looks like a, a good sort of wholesome time. You know where it's going to go, but you'll enjoy the ride. Uh, this is one up, one down for me, you know, it, it I don't know, it, it looks all sports. right. I like sports, 
but like you said, this is a thing that we've seen multiple times before. It seems like it's going to be a much more family-friendly version of, uh, what was that Johnny Knoxville movie? That also... <laughs> no, but that was this, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> This seems like it's not going to be as bad. <laughs> uh, this doesn't seem like it's at all making fun of anyone <laughs> in the movie, whereas that one potentially I was. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of trust, you know, so. Um, yeah. I mean, Woody Harrelson looks like he's having a good time. Uh, and all the uh, intellectually disabled actors look like they're doing a great job lots of providing lots of laughs but yeah i'm just you know keep my expectations in check so yeah uh so this coming to cinemas <laughs> uh 23rd of march uh so yeah you can check you can confirm you can actually watch this one uh next up we've got treason uh created by matt charman starring charlie cox una chaplin olga korolenko kieran hines and tracy i for sure Adam Lawrence was gr- trained and groomed by MI6, his career seems set. When the past catches up with him in the form of Kara, a Russian spy with whom he shares a complicated past, he is forced to question everything and everyone in his life. Dylan, what do you think of Trailer for Treason? I really liked it. I'm going one up, one down, though, because I understand maybe the whole point is, like, the reveal of him, like, paying that woman or whatever the go is to get him into power is, like, revealed maybe in the first episode, and that's why it's in the trailer, but I almost feel like I like I was annoyed that it showed me that, you know. That was my only, my only problem. So I was watching a trailer. I'm like, oh, maybe he's on, in on it. And then trailer's like, he's in on it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, like, okay. But so is I'm he actively go. in on it? Or? Well, you I mean, he's definitely like he, from what I took from Charlie, he he was actively in on it. Like, and it's sort of going to shit for him. So um, I'm going one up, one down. Uh, this is two thumbs up from me. I thought it was really great trailer i don't think he's necessarily in on it he could be like being manipulated like because he's kind of been put in this high position uh and then you know potentially being blackmailed uh charlie cox looks like he's really great in this um and yeah of the other thing it's slated as a limited series so you know at least we're going to get the entire story in this you know no fear of multiple seasons being cancelled uh (laughs) Uh, so yeah, this is two thumbs up. I think it looks really good. Uh, so this is coming to Netflix on 26th of December. So something to look forward to on Boxing Day. Last trailer for this week. Cocaine Bear. Directed by Elizabeth Banks. Starring Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Christian Covery Jennings. Alden Einreich. Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Brooklyn Prince. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Christopher Hifchub. Hannah Hoxtra. Aaron Holiday, Margot Martindale, and Ray Liotta. Uh, after ingesting a duffel bag full of cocaine, an American black bear goes on a murderous rampage in a small Georgia town where a group of locals and tourists must join forces in order to survive the attack. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Cocaine Bear? Two thumbs up. I've watched it twice. Can't wait. Keen as. This is like absolute dumb fun. I love how Ray Liotta's last movie is this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it looks. I, I don't know. It, 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 you, you either aboard this, like, if you're going to watch the trailer and go, well, this is stupid. This ain't movie eight for you. I watched this trailer and went, <laughs> that bear's like fucking high as fuck trying to kill people. <laughs> Can't wait, you know? <laughs> like, so um, I'm all aboard. Double, double thumbs up. Uh, yeah, this is clearly two thumbs up for me as well. Um, a fantastic trailer uh, with, you know, 
lots of fun gags, but hopefully not giving too much away. <laughs> that part where he's like, bears can't climb trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they're just the bear climbing up one tree. And climbing the tree, like super fast. The other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just lots of silly moments. Even just the bear just zoning out on the lawn, just rubbing its back all over the place. Just that bear looks incredible. Like, obviously, it's got to be very heavily CGI'd, uh, but I don't think you could tell at any point. Um, even you know, you've got the ending shot of the trailer. It's like jumping into the ambulance. Jumping or into this ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> Running up bear. the road like 60 kilometers an hour or whatever. Just absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very keen for this. Uh, Shout out to uh, Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth Banks. Fucking Elizabeth Banks directing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it seems like the logical step from Charlie's Angels to this. You know? Uh, lots of interesting cast members. So, yeah, this is coming to cinemas on the 23rd of February. So, look forward to that. Also, check out the Cocaine Bear social media because it's told from the perspective of the Cocaine Bear. So, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Alright, let's wrap up this episode of What Do You Want to Watch with our What Do You Want to Watch Top 3. Definitely in the top 3. Uh, and, you know, I thought we'd round out the year uh, with looking forward to 2023 uh, with a top 3 of our hopes for 2023. So, you know, this could be anything. Very wide open Yeah, I believe you actually just wrote when I looked this morning... Top 2023 wants. And I read it and went. No, it literally says top three hopes for 2023. Top three hopes for 2023. I was like, what's that mean? Guess we'll find out. Dylan, what's your number three? Number three. DC gets this shit together. (laughs) So I guess relating to a conversation earlier this week, I hope everything that's happening with James Gunn and um, love a dude whose name I don't remember. Um, taking over at DC to get the DCU going. Uh, all pans out well in DC films. It's, it's like, as a DC fan who you know loves his DC comic characters more than Marvel characters, um, that you know I can get a, a good series of DC films happening. Maybe, of course, I'm, I don't expect them to start pumping out next year. That's not how it's stuff. But I'm hoping that we get an idea of like the overall picture. You know, at a Comic Con or something like that, and we go, "Cool, that's the vision." I like the I like the vision board, James Gunn. Yeah. So DC gets this shit together. Number three. Alright. My number three. No more film delays. Uh mostly looking at you across the spot of us. If you get delayed again, I'm gonna be furious. Do you want to uh, pick something realistic or <laughs> uh, you know, I think, you know, we're past the point where COVID has kind of caused movies to be super delayed or uh, hopefully we get to the point where it's rare that a movie suddenly gets pulled from the, the schedule, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, especially movies that are set to come out in 2023, which there's a lot of. Uh, so yeah, there's my number three. Dylan, what's your number two? Number two is... Oh, um, I forgot to look at my list, but... Uh, number two is A24 films released in Australia on time. My number two is... Uh, the release schedule between US release and Australian release gets smaller. There you go. So. Very similar 
uh, dreams between us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Them too, yeah so. We're just small people with small dreams. <laughs> small dreams. Yeah, see, I narrowed it down straight to a studio because I was, I was trying, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not asking for too much. I just want this one particular studio's films to release, you know, even a week, couple weeks. <laughs> fucking even two weeks would be fucking such an improvement at this stage. But yeah, A24 films releasing in Australia in a more due diligent time. Um, if you can't work out how to do that, just partner up with someone here in Australia and get someone else to distribute or co-distribute, however you want to, however it would be worded on the, the film logos or whatever, to co-distribute A20 films for you, 24 films for you in Australia. Like, I don't understand what the holdup is. Just team up with someone. Fuck. <laughs> All right, what's your number one? Number one. Oh, number one hope for 2023 is Fast X is good. <laughs> I really hope that Fast and Furious or Fast X or whatever it ends up actually being called is a good film and I enjoy it. Okay, that's, that's a... That's a good choice. When is, <laughs> when is fast? Oh, next year, some point. May nineteenth. Yeah. I don't know. That might break my my number three hope. I think <laughs> from what all reports of budgets and that kind of stuff. My number one. Uh, people go back to the cinema. Okay. Of course, all the reports right now are that uh, you know we've got all these lows attendance at the cinema. Uh, of course, you know, Avatar's about to come out this week, so maybe that will shift things around. Uh, but 2023 is stacked full of movies that will hopefully get people to go see them, um, especially, you know, in the middle of the year. Lots of big budget, big tentpole movies. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully they're good, uh, and then hopefully people go see them in the cinema and not just wait till they come to VOD or streaming. So, yeah, that's my number one hope. That, you know, we're back to making money at the cinema. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, if you want to help us out here at the sh- podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Tell people about the show. Leave us five stars. Anyone can leave five stars. Uh, of course, you can follow us by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to our Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. And if you want to help us out uh, financially, you can go over to explosion.com slash support. Uh, you can donate as little as a dollar over on our Kofi page. Uh, so this is the last episode of What Do You Want to Watch till quickly looking. <laughs> uh, so next week. 24th of January is the next like episode of What Do You Want to Watch. Uh, but we will be having different spoiler casts and uh, top 10 lists and other things in the every Tuesday. Uh, much to Dylan's disgust. Uh, we will be having what do you want to watch content every single week. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for listening in 2022. Look forward to talking to you in 2023. And until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess. Goodbye.